Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. From baseball's top personalities. The great Chris Russo joins us once again. To the game's top players. Joining us is the all-star. Matt Chapman with us. You never know what stories you're going to hear. If you make your way down here, I, I might be able to make some time and go out there and see the great Chris Townsend. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. It's time now for another edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend, and you're going to love all the A's we got for you on this edition of A's Unfiltered. We've got the all-star, Liam Hendricks. We got Mr. Duct Tape himself, Mark Canna. What a year he is having. Tony Kemp has pinned money for Bob Melvin, and then arguably the best pitching coach in all of Major League Baseball, Scott Emerson, will be joining us. First, Liam Hendricks. As we joke, he is not only friend of the program, he's best friend of the program. He's been on our show more than anybody. We love Liam. He's a special guy on and off the field. Here is our conversation with the All-Star. He is your All-Star closer here on A's Cast Live. Liam Hendricks from Anaheim. My friend, how are you? I'm good, Tanny. How are you doing? We Well, with you guys winning like you're winning, um, Life is great, and I got to think for you guys, it's now coming to the ballpark every day, and the expectation is let's just keep this thing rolling. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, we've got uh, we've got the guys in this clubhouse that it takes a lot to knock them down, but it's very very easy to pick them up, which is uh, which is the quality you need in the team. But oh, like we've been saying it for the first couple weeks of the season, all we needed was one game for the these guys to get locked in on the plate, and all of a sudden they have, and we've been rolling over the last what nine or so. Which ends up being what twenty one or so? Oh, I, I I mean, you start looking at where you guys are right now, and you haven't fired on all cylinders. And yes, if we did the two point seven times nine, uh, your winning streak is twenty four point three games. Is that good? I'm not sure. <laughs> I think that'd be the record. <laughs> yeah, that's uh. I mean, obviously, nine's a heck of a lot easier than, than 24, but in saying that, I mean, that's what we're taking it as. It's like we're not trying, not really chasing history right now. We're just trying to chase separation and kind of give ourselves some breathing room in the division. Well, you did get some breathing room, which I'm kind of shocked by. I thought that in a 60-game season that there wouldn't be a whole lot of separation, but when you win nine in a row, you, you've been able to do that five over Texas, five and a half over Houston. Uh, 
when you talk about not firing all on all cylinders, really that's where the A's are now. That kind of makes this thing so scary, I think, for the rest of the league. I mean, what happens if the offense starts matching what you guys are doing as a pitching staff? Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like um we've been we've been cruising in the pen and this outing rotation the last uh, the last couple of weeks and and the the hitters are coming around. Like you see some of the uh, some of the at bats the Mats are having. I think Simeon getting that walk off hit on in the thirteenth inning has kind of locked him back in and He's now he's now getting back to that little that little confidence streak, and that's the biggest thing. Is everyone was so confused by this season, everyone was rushed to get back and ready, and all you you, were, you weren't sure of your abilities for a little bit. Like my first outing of the season, I wasn't sure how my ball was playing, how it was coming out, how everything was going. It took me to go back and watch some video that night to realize, like, no, 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 my stuff's a little bit better than I meant it, but I think it is right now. Let's just get that and roll with it, and that's what that's what I was able to do, and that's what these hitters are able to do now is uh, just kind of have a look and be like, no, nah, no. Nah, my swing's fine. Everything's fine. It's just all the all it takes now is just a lucky hit to fall in, and then you get that confidence back. But it's going to be a scary team when um, when everything's firing all cylinders, and and that's the good thing is like we were able to withstand that little section where sometimes the offense wasn't wasn't uh, kind of doing as much as they were, and then the uh, the pitching was able to kind of pick it up. But now if anything happens to the pitching, we've we've hopefully got the offense now to pick it up as well, and that's just a uh, the way you need to go. You can't lose those one run, two run games based off on one facet of the game not working. You know, we talk about all the time how a, how a lineup can be contagious, good or bad, right? It can go, it can work both ways. Can that happen with a bullpen? Oh, I mean, without a doubt. I mean, you just you're sitting up there just talking to each other, and I mean, it's it, it we got a really cool bullpen this year. Like between Deepman and me and Sorry MC have always got along well. So between those guys, you add in Lou, JB, TJ's been a great fit in this pen. Uh, Birch has been absolutely fantastic down there as well. And and it's now we've got Mangan sitting down there as well just to give us some length. But the best thing about this year is the fact we've got the guys for no matter what sort of game. If it's a like if we're up by a lot, we can use some guys that can get some innings. If we're down by a lot, we can use some guys. But we've also got the guys where if it's close, we're not afraid to use some guys, some certain guys, and kind of stay away from those uh, from the back end guys a little bit, which is fantastic. Because I mean, at the end of the day, you're if you're down by one, you want to stay in the game. Obviously, we've got uh, complete confidence in our entire bullpen to go out there and, and get that score, and keep us in the game, and then we have a chance to win with our offense. Yeah, we're still looking at Birch and uh, Soria. Each guy hasn't even given up an earned run yet. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to talk about that just because I don't want to jinx it. But um, yeah, I mean, for the for the while in there, like I was, everyone was talking about that bullpen, and I was like, oh, and I was at the at the anchor in the end, and I'm like, I'm the only one who's given up a run. How am I still in this conversation? <laughs> <laughs> it was just opening day. Who who's counting that? I mean, it's fine. I'm not. I'm not overly worried. I mean, you're going to give up runs here and there. The biggest thing is how you bounce back from giving up those runs. And I mean, the way Birch and Sorry are throwing right now, they make go a season without giving up one. I mean, they're just disgusting right now. I mean, I play catch with Sorry every day, and you can see him working on everything. And it's just, it's been fun to watch. Like last year, he kind of had those, those two, like two or three bad ones in the first month, and then after that, he was nails. And this year, he's just kind of focusing, making sure he doesn't fall into that trap of those first couple of outings and and we'll be then he's laughing all the way to the bank right now and I mean I don't think I've ever seen a transformation from the video I saw of Birch in previous years to what he's been able to do this year it's unfathomable I mean he's what he's been able to do his fastball has great life his changeup's disgusting he's got a good breaking ball I mean 
he's got all the makings of it, the possibility of even like forcing his way into either high leverage situations in the bullpen or it working his way into the starting rotation if anything happens to any of those guys. I mean, he's, he's kind of that uh, Johnny Oltrade right now, and he's just being thrown into every situation, which is fantastic. Well, what's the main difference that you've seen on video for him? As far as I couldn't tell, it looks like he's just – like it looks like he's using his legs a little more, but it looks like he's just – the ball's coming out differently. I couldn't – like it almost looks like he's got that little bit of confidence. He's, a little, he's, he's being more aggressive in the zone. Um, I think he ran into – I've spoken to him a couple times. I think he ran into something similar to what I did, whereas I always put a ceiling on myself. And so he's like, well, I'm not supposed to be doing this. Like, let's just try and get there, but I'm not supposed to be, so it doesn't matter if I don't get there. Now he's like, no. Like, I've seen people who have gone through my career path. I've seen people who have kind of had these ups and downs and taken taken all the silver linings from everything they can. And that's what I'm going to do this year. And I'm going to go out there and I'm going to throw everything as hard as I can and everything as disgusting as I can. And we're going to we're going to kind of do that. And you saw yesterday he was sitting 97 with a good changeup. I mean, anybody who does that, it's it's very, very hard to hit, especially with the life he has in his basketball. You know, we had golf over the weekend over at Harding Park, the PGA Championship. And, the, you know, there was talk about, you know, the evolution of your swing and when you're in your prime and when you get older and, you know, the coaches and the video and all that stuff. And then now you see some guys go, to hell with it. I'm just going to do it myself. It made me think of you because that's kind of what you did. You kind of said, you know what? I'm either going to win or I'm going to lose. I'm going to stay in this game or I'm not going to stay in this game based on my beliefs. I'm going to do it my way. I was thinking about you this weekend because there's a lot of golfers that that have now gone that route. Yeah, I think it, for me it was like you need the outside sources to kind of bring you back down to earth or pick you up from the dirt. And <clears throat> for me, like I obviously my wife is a huge important factor of my game. She's able to kind of, if I have a good one, she's like, no, 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 that pitch sucked. You need to work better on that one. It kind of gives you back down to earth. Whereas if I have a bad outing, she's like, look, you made some really good pitches in there. You just let this one go and, like, don't worry about it. You're not as bad as you think you are. And there's that. And then there's also Michael Fisher with um, Get Into the Blue. He's the one who does my heat maps and stuff. And there's a lot of times where I was overthinking, like, okay, well, they put a good swing on that fastball. What's going on? And so I talked to him, and all it would be was like, hey, no. He goes, you, that, that one just came out a little differently than the rest. The rest of them are fine. Don't worry about it. And hearing that realization, just not overthinking everything, has been a big part of it. But the biggest thing for me is just going out there and not worrying about what the hit is good at. Like, we, uh, as scattering reports, you kind of, sometimes teams focus on what hitters are good at, not what they're not good at. And I don't care what the hit is good at. Like, I couldn't care less. I want to know how I can get them out. I don't care how they're going to hit me. That's just that, that all I'm going to do is start thinking that, thinking on that. Like, okay, this guy's got a fastball away, but he's not good at fastballs down and away. All I'm going to try and do is throw a fastball down and away. And more times than not, if I'm really focusing on down and away, I'm going to throw up middle, middle, and he's going to get a hit. Well, I, I somebody recently got, I don't have my book in front of me. I don't remember who it was, but somebody recently got a base hit off your breaking ball. Uh, people have been like 0 for 48, and the last person to get a base hit off your breaking ball was like last July. Yeah, that was Shinsu Chu. It was off a curveball. Yeah. That's the second hit I've given up since I've used that new grip on my curveball. Uh, the first one was a grand slam by Bregman in, I think, May or so. But, uh, yeah, it's, um, I had no idea about that, to be honest. I, had no, I, knew, that my, I knew I had a good breaking ball. It, a, a, a change between the uh, the slider and the curveball, but I didn't have any idea that it, like I had a streak or anything like that going. I mean, 
at least now it's got an average. I mean, it looks better. It looks it looks better now when it's a lower average rather than just a zero because you could have thrown like four of them and had a zero. You throw a hundred of them, and you only give up one hit. It's just you doing a run. I mean, that's pretty incredible. Oh, for forty-eight. I mean, that means whatever that grip is, it's working. I want to get back to Soria. You know, the way he's kind of changed his game since he's come to Oakland, you mentioned he got roughed up in a couple outings to where now dropping down with the curveball, changing looks, changing angles. It's been fun to watch him change and actually mature as a pitcher. Yeah, I think if uh, he's in the mindset, like he doesn't have the 98 to 99 mile per hour fastball or anything like that, and he never has. I mean, but he's also been able to pitch at 92 his entire career, and he's made a really, really good career out of it. So he's just always looking at ways to kind of either throw off timing or just add something in there that just gives it a new look, which changes the like the concept of the way he pitches. So all of a sudden, if he he's been a pretty much like a fastball cutter, changeup guy, if all of a sudden he throws that big loopy curveball in, you have to respect that pitch, which makes every other pitch better. So I, I play catch with him every day, and he's constantly working on his changeup. He's constantly working on his drop-down cutter and slider and stuff like that, just trying to give people different looks. Because as soon as you see something different, it just adds that into the hitter's mind. And all of a sudden, they're, just, they're not quite as confident that that 2-0 fastball is coming if you've thrown a couple 2-0 cutters before that. So that's his way of doing it. But, like, his his ball's got some life this year. Like, it's, um, it's a lot more along than where I – because I didn't start playing catch with him until probably June of last year-ish, maybe May. And we, we, we've been playing catch ever since. And this year, it's, it's got a lot more life than when I first started playing catch with him last year. And it's just, I don't know if it's a good throwing partner or whatever it is, but I'm going to take all the credit where it's due just because I need to remind Jack that he's, uh, that's how we're doing things. You know, people don't realize that when you have that good throwing partner, he gets to know everything that you do. He gets to know what you're trying to accomplish. He can help you. Most people just think, ah, it's just two guys playing catch. It's actually a lot more than that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there'll be times where he gets around in a ball and then I'll point it out to him. And there'll be times where I'm just, I do something a little different. He's like, hey, what was that? And if I'm actively working on something, then it's different. But if all of a sudden I'm just trying to throw the exact same pitch and I'm doing something different, you just all of a sudden you're like, no, no, I need to make sure I get a couple good ones. And he's able to recognize that. So you're almost at each other's accountability partners as well, making sure that no one gets off track, off kilter, making sure they've got the right mechanics, they've got everything going. But also just telling, like, it's, it's also a reassurance. Like, at the start of this year, like, I was not feeling great about my stuff. And he's like, no, 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 that was disgusting. That was nasty. Let's just do that again. And it, it kind of instills that confidence in you that uh, no matter what you do, you're able to kind of go out there and get guys out. You know, the proof is always in the pudding with starting pitching. And if you get at least five, I'm not asking for big big innings here. If the A's get at least five innings from their starters, you guys are seven and one. There is just something about giving you a better chance to win when the guy who takes the ball at the beginning of the game goes longer. What is that? Well, I mean, you have to throw five to get a win. So that's, that's the goal for the starting pitchers out there to kind of go out there and get those wins. I mean, uh, but yeah, it's, it, it was such a tough year. Like, and I was, I, I was a little critical of the fact that our starting pitches weren't as far along as some of the other teams. But then some of the other teams are now having these rash of injuries because they've extended their guys too too soon or too quickly or anything like that. So, I mean, hindsight for me is just looking back and like, no, no, no. 
We may have been able to tax the bullpen a little early, but this is going to be great for our full-length season because our starters are going to be a little fresher. They're going to be kind of worn into their their pitch counts and they're not going to just be thrown to the wolves. So I think uh, you need to give credit where credit's due, and our organization did a fantastic job of kind of limiting guys' exposure to making sure they're not doing too much. Because as soon as summer camp started, guys were like, no, I can throw five, I can throw five. Then they started them off on two or three and kind of moved them that way. And there were some guys that were a little uh, – little annoyed at it but it it's turning out to be working out pretty well right now so and especially with the 30 man rosters to start off with you're able to kind of wear those uh those extra innings in the bullpen because we've got a couple extra guys out there so we've uh, we've worked into it but yeah starting pitches i mean this is the point now where guys are like guys are going out there expecting to go six seven eight innings and that's what we're that's what we're hoping to get out of the, the starting rotation and and that way we can turn over the pen and whatever the score is, we can, we've got guys for that role. Quickly, let's go over some of the starters. I want your opinions on them. First, like Frankie Montas has blossomed into like an ace-like pitcher. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for him is last year was a big eye-opener for him and the fact that he didn't re- he realized he didn't need to hit 100 every time to get people out. So he was able to kind of manipulate the ball. Like there's been times where he's been – 93, 96, 90, like anywhere around there is a starting pitcher, which is still fantastic velocity. But it's not the 100 that he was trying to get to every pitch because he's able to pitch. He's, he's pitching instead of throwing now. He's able to go out there and he's able to manipulate the baseball a little bit more, throw sliders when a slide is needed, throw a split finger when a split is needed, and kind of just, okay, I'm 2 I'm just going to throw a little bit of a two-seam or a sinker here, try and get this guy to roll over it and get out of it. He's just not worrying about the strikeout. So, to watch him evolve as a as a kind of a pitcher rather than a thrower has been pretty special. And if he continues this trajectory, I mean, there's, there's a few awards that I can see in his future. Mike Fires, ever since he's come over, all he has done is win. All he has done is dominate at the Coliseum. Just that steady veteran you need in in your rotation. Yeah, I mean, he's tenacious on the mound. You look at the stuff. He doesn't have the stuff that Frankie or Zeus has or anything like that, but he's able to go out there. And he knows how to read a swing. So you'll see him, like, there'll be a time where a guy will take a good fastball off and be like, okay, don't go back to that. And he'll go straight back to it, and the guy will look stupid. I mean, he just he knows the game. He knows how to read people's swings. He knows how to set people up. I mean, it shows by the fact that he's got two no-hitters. I think the Coliseum's helped, because obviously everyone knows that Mike's a fly ball, fly ball pitcher. And if you're at the Coliseum, you have the utmost confidence no matter what's going on, because 98% of the fly balls are going to stay in the pot because it's a it's bigger than Yellowstone out there. So it's, um, it's, it's been fun watching him pitch because he just takes the ball and he, like, it doesn't matter how many pitches he throws, he's wanting to throw as long as he can to save the bullpen. And that's just a, that's a big quality, especially for a reliever. That's just a, it's a big quality that we like in starting pitches is making sure that they're going to go five or six or seven, no matter what the score is, no matter what the role is, just to make sure that he saves a couple arms in the pen. Unsung hero, Chris Bassett. I mean, I don't know how anybody is surprised by what Bassett's able to do. I mean, it looks like a Great Dane puppy on the mound. He's got arms and legs flying everywhere. He's able to repeat his mechanics flawlessly almost every single time. And everything he throws moves more than anything I throw that moves. It's unbelievable. Like, he is, like, he does not get enough credit words. And he is so malleable. It's unbelievable. If they, had a, if they told him today, hey, we're going to go to the pen, you're going to be a one inning guy. He'd be like, okay, let's do it. Like there would be no, there'd be no side eye, there'd be no talking back, there'd be nothing. He just takes it and he just grabs the ball. And all he wants to do is play. He is a puppy. All he wants to do is pitch. It's just what he and 
I mean, it's, I still don't have any idea how he throws his curveball so slow. I have no clue. I've been trying it, and I can't get it below like 80, and he's throwing his in the 60s. It's unreal. Yeah, and he's throwing it as hard as he can. That's the, I don't understand it. Like, I'm throwing, I'm literally going out there trying to throw as slow as I can with a curveball, and I still throw it harder than his. Jesus Lazardo, how talented is he? I mean, everybody sees the stuff. Everybody sees what the TV and the radar gun says. But what you don't quite understand from his is the poise he possesses. I mean, there hasn't been a guy, kid his age or close to his age that's kind of come up to the league and been able to do with his that I've seen since kind of Roberto Asuna when he was in 2015 with the Blue Jays. I mean, that kid had ice in his veins then. And I see a lot in Zeus in the same way. Like, he, there's no this situation that is bigger than him. He trusts his stuff no matter what. And it could be 3-2 bases loaded in a tied game in the bottom of the ninth. And he could throw, like, oh, no, I'm feeling a breaking ball. I just throw a slider. And have no qualms, no, no reservations, no nothing. He just knows that he's that good that they're going to swing over. And it's just, it's, it's unbelievable to have that poise, that confidence, that kind of wherewithal as such a young kid. And, I mean, the way, the more he develops into kind of getting to that point of just going out there and, and pitching and kind of getting into the game mindset and all this, it's just, it's going to be fun to watch. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that this kid can do, and there's a lot of things this kid will do in the game. Well, we talked to you before the season about racking up numbers in a short season. You're 1-0 with five saves. Everything's looking good. And what you mean to the ball club and also what you mean to our show, A's Cast Live. Whenever we have you on, it means a lot. So enjoy your homemade coffee there inside the hotel room. Be well, be safe, and keep winning ball games. and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Tanner. Thanks for having me. Well, from one friend of the program to another, Mark Canna. He's the longest-tenured Oakland A, which is hard to believe, with Marcus Simeon. And what Mark Canna brings to the party day in and day out is one of the reasons why the A's have won 97 games two straight years, and it's why the A's are in first place right now. When you have a player that can honestly hit in the middle of the order and you can tell him that he can play basically anywhere on the diamond, and be good for you, that's invaluable. Mark, go play center. Mark, play left, play right, play first, DH. He can do it all, and he embraces it, and he's good at it, and he's part of the heart and soul of this team. Here is Mark Canna. Well, now joining us, he's absolutely one of our favorites, and what he's doing for the A's right now is truly unbelievable. Mark Canna is with us from the Valley of the Sun. Mark, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm on my way to uh, the bus right now. We're about to head over to the ballpark pretty soon here. Well, I got to thank for you, before we start talking baseball, we know that you have a new baby at home, and uh, I got to think it, it was a wonderful night, everything that's going on with the A's, but to be back home with the wife and the family for, for this brief time in Arizona, I bet is really special for you and your family. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Um, I got in kind of late last night, but my we my daughter unfortunately didn't want to go to bed at her bedtime, so I got to see her last night, and it was uh, it was awesome. And I also got to hang out with them this morning. It was just uh, you know pancakes and pancakes morning, and we just it was just a fun hang with the fam. 
today. Oh, I bet. And, and how about this? There's nothing better than sleeping in your own bed. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. <laughs> so let's talk about your ball club right now. And before we talk about you, because I know you'd rather talk about the team, uh, you've won four straight. You've won 13 of 15. You just whooped it up yesterday against the Giants where you took it to them 15 to three. But just how great was this series, three straight games, and the way you guys came back on Friday and Saturday showing so much character? Yeah, it was awesome. It was just uh, when you, whenever you start a series, it, you kind of, it, it always feels like you're kind of dipping your toe in the water and feeling the temperature a little bit. Like, you're kind of going to see how the series goes and and we uh got fell behind in those first two games but but it, it kind of felt like we came together as a group and kind of kicked it into gear at the end of those games and then um you know smacked them on sunday so it, it was a nice series for us um you got to win all kinds of different series and that was definitely uh a dramatic one but but we we made it happen with some magic. So you, you like to see that. So I'm thinking about for you, I mean, obviously this series was incredible. I mean, you had the game winning sack fly Saturday. I mean, Saturday at the big home run, but you had a base hit and a double. And then of course what you did yesterday. And I think about last season, what is it about that ballpark that when you get in there, you just see the ball so well. Uh, I just, I really want to do well there. There's a little extra motivation for me, but um, yeah, it's just something about there. Like I get like a little heightened focus and a little bit, there's a little extra there. Um, I, I really kind of treat my at-bats. I, I always treat my at-bats well, but like, I don't know. It's just like, I go into this ultra competitive mode when I get into that we'll call it a beast mode, if you will, uh, when I get into that ballpark and whenever we're playing the Giants, really. Yeah, you know what? Our fans are going to love that because, you know, I know a lot of people, the Giants are down, but as you know, our fan base, it doesn't matter what the record is. They want to beat the Giants so bad. And, and, and yeah. I love how you guys also feed off that and you guys know that. Yeah, I always want to beat the Giants. And, and you know what? They're not a bad team. That's a they put up some runs on us those first two games. They their offense is working a little bit. Um, you know, you you run into a couple guys in that lineup that are hot at a certain time. It's not it's not that easy of a lineup to get through. And and they got some arms, some starting arms, and and some decent arms in the bullpen too. So uh, you know, these are major league teams we're talking about here and there. <laughs> and competitive ones at that with some really good players. So I, you know, regardless of the record, they, they're playing in a tough division. The Rockies and the Dodgers obviously are doing really well in their division. And those are two other tough teams to beat right now. And uh, I think their record doesn't tell the whole story about the Giants. Well, this past well, week, I, I don't know if you're going to get AL player of the week, but we, we, we ran your numbers this last week. You hit 360 with a 1,050 OPS, a home run, six RBIs, seven runs scored, and four extra base hits. 
What does it mean to you just to, to, to fill out that box score on an everyday basis to help your team? Uh, I mean, that's, I just, I think that's the type of player I can be when I'm, when I get going and I find a little rhythm at the plate, um, it kind of all comes together just because the walks are always there. The plate discipline's always there. I, I, you know, believe in my ability to have a good at bats. It's just a matter of, of whether or not I'm squaring up the ball that day. And when I am, it, it makes for a, it makes for a pretty, um, you know, I, I can put up some numbers. Yeah, well, I tell you what, the numbers you're putting up and, and the lineup around you now as the A's have scored 54 runs in the last seven games. I mean, the offense at the beginning got off to a little bit of a slow start. How are you guys feeling vibing now as a lineup? Really good. I, I mean, I, I made a comment, I think it was on your show earlier in the year, that how we were getting contributions from different parts of the lineup every day. And I, and I think that that is the best way to offense throughout the long term you know, and throughout the course of a season, you know, like the guys who hit, hit 250 don't go one for four every day. It's, it's peaks and valleys and, and you have to um, get it from different, different guys every day. I, I'm a firm believer in that and that's what we've done. So, I mean, you know, there's, times in this season when I've kind of cooled off and, and other guys picked up the slack and there's times, you know, Ole picked us up for, a, was like the majority of our offense there for a few games. Chappie's gone off. Um, we're, we're really kind of firing from all angles. And, and I think that's how you have to do it. You know, you're, you're so versatile. That's why we had fun with the nickname duct tape uh, where Bob Melvin can put you anywhere, whether it's center, left, right, DH, first base. I mean, you really could play anywhere. I would, couldn't doubt if you could play short. Uh, and, I, and I think about your versatility, and, and you know how that big that is for the team. Do you like playing all these positions, or would you rather just have one position? Um, I take pride in it. I, I'm the type of person that likes a, likes a challenge, and I like it's, it's challenging to, to bounce around and, and be good at, at all those spots. And uh, I kind of just embrace that challenge and embrace that role, and, as a, and I know that the, the team values that. So, it's, you know, I'm happy to be in a place that the team that makes me valuable to the team and it, to be to feel appreciated. I know that, that Bob loves that. I know the front office loves that. So that uh, it makes me happy that I can contribute in more than one way. And the guys you're playing in the outfield with right now, I mean, Stephen Piscotty has a 409 on base percentage, three home runs, yeah. 11 RBIs in the last five games. Robbie Grossman has reached base 22 of his last 39 plate appearances. I mean, your fellow outfielders right now, you guys are getting it done. Yeah, we're killing it. Um, you mentioned AL Player of the Week. I was going to say Piscotty probably. If, I'd be surprised if he doesn't take it for this week. He had a monster series. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we're just – the outfield, our outfield is doing an awesome job, and and that obviously has been uh, exceptional considering Ramon's been out the last three days. We really needed to pick up the slack. You know what I wanted to ask you is the fact that you're playing 
in basically playing back at home. And, you know, I, I live where you grew up in Willow Glen in the South Bay. And it's funny, I'm a, I'm a member of San Jose Swim and Racket, and there's a lot of the older guys there who know your father. And they're always asking yeah. me about you. Have you talked to Mark? I talked to his dad. I, what kind of motivation that does that give you, knowing that all of these guys who grew up watching as a kid are following you on an everyday basis? Yeah, it's it's awesome. I I'm really proud of the area that I came from. Um, you say you're a member. Of, I'm, I was a you know we were members of that club too. So uh, I grew up playing tennis there and that was our summer pool you know to go swimming if me and my buddies wanted to go swimming we'd ride our bikes over there so uh i mean it's just uh it's a great community i take pride in in representing it well and um it's it's an area that when i when i go home i'm always you know it's nice i i have a lot of great childhood memories and let's end on this because because we know you got to get going um you and Marcus are the longest tenure days. What what does that mean to you and Marcus as leaders of this club and that you guys have been around the longest? Um, I think we, we do a really good job of um, creating a, a culture that the right culture, you know, the, the right A's culture that we, we've kind of learned over the years of, the stuff we liked and the stuff we don't like of, of kind of vibes we have going on in the clubhouse. And we've done a really good job and probably Marcus more than me, but Marcus is more of a kind of the captainy head head figure that, that I would say has done this, but we just created a really good um, relaxed, kind of a combination of the relaxed environment that we kind of came into, but also, an ultra competitive, um, hardworking environment on top of that kind of, a a double-edged sword of, of chilling out, but, but working hard and getting our stuff done. Well, you guys, it's hard to believe there's only 38 games left in the season. You're 15 and six. You got the best record in the American League, and just keep it rolling. It's been an absolute treat to watch you guys. Congratulations on all your success and everything with the family and being back home with the kids. Enjoy that, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Be well and be safe. All right. Thanks, County. Love the nickname Duct Tape. Everybody knows how valuable Duct Tape is. Tony Kemp has been a nice surprise for the A's. Getting a lot of time at second base, left-handed bat, doing it for Bob Melvin. Here is the A's second baseman. Do we have Tony Kemp? Hey, what's up, guys? What's happening? How are you? Great, man. How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me. Uh, No, we appreciate you coming on. You know, these are exciting times. I mean, obviously, what's happening with the uh, athletics and the run here in the American League West and also, your start. You've gotten off to a real hot start. How nice is that in a shortened season to get off to a hot start? Yeah, man, it's obviously important. But, uh, you know, I'm just going up there each time just trying to help my team win. And, uh, you know, these guys are workhorses. And it's fun to come to the ballpark each day with these guys. They have a great understanding of what it takes to be a good teammate. And not only that, but they know how to win. And, obviously, that's been apparent in the last – uh, you know, a couple weeks or so. So, um, yeah, it's just a cohesive unit that likes to uh, play baseball. 
You know, when you were when you were playing on the other side of the Oakland A's, uh, and, and obviously you were a thorn on the side of the A's, one of the reasons why they brought you in. What was your view of this organization from the other clubhouse? Yeah, I mean, the A's were always the team that we worried about uh, in the division. Uh, you know, you've seen some of our comeback wins this season, and uh, there's no fight in this team. And, you know, being on the Astros, we knew that. So uh, once that last out is made, there's no celebrations. There's no, um, there's no, there's no celebrating, especially with guys that, um, you know, play as hard as they do on this side. So, you know, I'm very fortunate that, you know, they were able to pick me up and now I'm able to be on this side. And uh, it's just, you know, guys who, you know, blue collar guys who just play the game hard. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to be, you know, here for the future. Yeah, I, I think of 60 games and it's already flying by so fast. And I know you guys go game by game, but Tony, you know how we work in the media. We, we put the cart before the horse here. Uh, there's only 30, there's only 35 games left. How crazy is that to think 35 oh. games? Oh my gosh. I'm glad you said something, man, because, uh, you know, we've been so one, you know, one pitch at a time, one play at a time. And that's how our, how our brains operate um, as baseball players. But wow, 35 games. Yeah. It's going to be a sprint. Like we said, and, uh, you know, usually in the past, A's have always gotten to a slow start, so they say. And uh, being able to see what we've been doing right now is just a testament of, you know, the work that we've been putting in. And you can see it starts from the top down. And uh, it's just impressive to watch the guys go to work each day. And there's a lot of guys on this team that have a work ethic that um, you want to put into your everyday routine as well. So uh, whatever we can do to win, we're just uh, taking it pitch at a time. And uh, it's a it's one heck of a team to be a part of. I can tell you that much. And they're even uh, <laughs> they're even more fun in the clubhouse. Yeah, that is something that I've noticed all these years. When someone comes from the outside and they come in, they realize, wow, this is really a light, loose kind of loosey goosey clubhouse that uh, you don't get with every single team. So that's something you notice pretty early uh, when you came in. It's not like most teams. Yeah, and especially being here, um, if somebody's not getting their work in, you definitely know because it sticks out. So uh, it's it's I've usually been a person who just likes to observe and kind of go along and see how people operate, and uh, that's definitely the case, man. You always have guys in, in the weight room, in the batting cage, looking at video. There's hardly guys ever sitting at their lockers, and uh, that's a testament of how good they want to be. So. Uh, yeah, like I said, I can't tell you how happy I am to be a part of a team like this and to help contribute. And, uh, you know, just being able to be out there on that field is obviously a true blessing. But, uh, yeah, these guys are focused and, and determined. You know, I, I've said this now for years. Marcus Simeon is one of the great leaders in the game, but he's a leader by example. When you watch a guy who plays every single day, plays 162 games, this year, knock on wood, it'll be a, a 60 games. The way he busts his ass every day uh, before the game, taking his ground balls, getting his conditioning in. I, I've always said, if you looked around as a teammate and you're not working as hard as him, it, it'd be hard to look yourself in the mirror. And that's how hard he works. Just talk about what you've seen from Marcus as a leader, truly by example. Yeah, just being able to talk to Chad Bender. I mean, we've kind of been in the same uh, platoon role um, on him on the A's, me on the Astros. So 
when we used to meet up in the middle of the field before games, I used to tell them, you know, uh, you know, go give it your best and, and, and do what you can while you, while you have the opportunity today. And now being uh, friends with Fender on this side, uh, I kind of asked him about, you know, what is Marcus Simeon about? And he just says that his Marcus Simeon's, his motor doesn't stop. And uh, we have this saying around here, uh, well, at least I do, it's called motor like Marcus. So uh, that's kind of what I've kind of implemented into my everyday work is just have a motor like Marcus and uh, go in there and get your work in and, and give it your all every day. And uh, being able to talk to him and kind of get into his, uh, you know, mental uh, toughness as well. I kind of asked him how he deals with the ups and downs of seasons. And he says, Hey man, it's, it's baseball. And at the end of the day, you know, you can, you can do everything right. You can hit the ball hundred miles an hour off the bat and they go and catch it on the warning track. And, you know, you're just going to have to deal with that. And that's like, that's very true. And in this game, you can do everything right and still fail statistically. So, uh, you know, being able to just get some knowledge from him and understand what he's about is uh, important. And I, I think about these wins and losses. I mean, wins and lo- losses always matter. But there's is there a little difference for you as a player? And, you know, because we're always talking about each win is either – worth 2.7 wins or the loss is worth 2.7 losses. Is there a little difference between wins and losses this season for you? <laughs> no, I don't think that we use the multiplier uh, in this clubhouse. I think we just take it a day at a time like it's uh, just a regular 60-game season. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it is what it is. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think that we just want to make sure that we're in for playoffs and that we have a chance to go to the World Series and win that thing. And, uh, you know, this team has been knocking on the door for a couple of years in the past. And, um, yeah, I just want to get back there and, you know, play hard. And that's what this team is about. So, uh, yeah, we don't really worry about that multiplier. We don't worry about, uh, you, you know, you win, you celebrate for a couple hours after the game, you lose, you you do whatever you need to do to get past it. And then, uh, Hey, today is a new day and you just have to have that, uh, mental, mental approach each day. How nice is it that your season and it's your first year out West that everything's on the West coast. I mean, you're going to have to go back to Texas and do Arlington and Houston, but for the most part, you know, let, let's face it, Tony, you got to, you're going to have a quick flight down to Southern California, the quick flight up to Seattle or Arizona. You're not having to fly all the way to New York or Tampa or Baltimore or Boston. How nice is this kind of everything being on the West Coast? Yeah, I, I'd always used to say traveling from Houston and going playing out West, you know, those, those flights are tough. But uh, being out West is nice. Being able to have nice weather like this all the time and uh, there's no humidity and uh, the Coliseum has so much rich history too. I love playing here as well. And yeah, it's nice, especially the travel you have the angels right there. And then you have Seattle, um, you know, a little bit further too. So the travel has been nice and, uh, I can't complain about it. These guys make it easy. How much are you paying attention right now to your old team, the Houston Astros who have kind of climbed back into it? And they've won eight in a row with their win today against the Colorado Rockies. How much are you, the clubhouse, knowing that uh, Houston's right back on your guys' tail? Yeah, I think the the cool thing about this clubhouse is, you know, we don't even concern ourselves with standings. And, uh, you know, if the pitcher has a good day and, you know, we're off balance at the plate, we just tip, tip our cap and, you know, go get the next game. 
And, uh, you know, as far as standings, you know, I think if, if you look in the rear view or you look uh, what another team is doing, it kind of takes away what you're accomplishing. So, um, you know, I'm a big believer in controlling the controllables, control what you can and, uh, you know, just bring it every day, bring that energy every day. And, you know, no matter if you're three for four, four for four, or oh, for four, uh, tomorrow is still a new day. And, um, you know, if that, in every step in that box, that pitcher, uh, you know, he doesn't know what your past is. All, all he knows is to get you out. And so, uh, yeah, every time you step in the box, you just have to have the most positive mindset you can. You know, it always blows me away. I want to talk about your alma mater, Vanderbilt. And, you know, for all these years in the SEC, the talk is obvious. Gonna, it's going to be Alabama. It's going to be Florida. It's going to be Auburn and, and Georgia. And basketball, it's going to be Kentucky. You know, SEC, you don't think, you know, Vanderbilt is just the school all the smart kids go to, right? And now <laughs> Vanderbilt has become this baseball power. But one of the reasons why they become a baseball power is – Everything that they've used technology-wise, very smartly run program. I think Vanderbilt at one point was way ahead of professional baseball with using the things like Rapsodo and TrackMan and everything. Just talk about what it was like to go through Vanderbilt, a great program that's helped lead you. And we talked about Yaz and your time with Yaz and all these great players coming out of Vanderbilt. How it's like propelled you guys into Major League Baseball. Yeah, I think it's the preparation, and obviously you can't say enough of what Tim Corbin has done for that program. And, uh, you know, I think the big thing is uh, when guys like us go back and we train and Corbin opens up the baseball facilities for the guys to go back and train, and, you know, you can build a relationship with the guys who are already there too. And uh, it's great, man. It's a good it's a good atmosphere to be a part of because everyone's working towards the same goal. And you're able to bounce ideas off each other. Like me and Yaz, we've bounced off hitting ideas off of each other. And, uh, man, he's just taken off. And it's great to see everything that he's done. Uh, but, yeah, it's just the preparation of what uh, Vanderbilt has allowed. And it's not just, you know, how good of a baseball player you can be, but, you know, Corbin is over there making sure that you're putting in the effort across the, cla- in the, cla- across the street in the classroom too because, you know, he makes a big emphasis on if you can't, you can't take care of what you're doing across the street academically. You can't step foot on the baseball field. So uh, he makes sure that uh, our guys are well-rounded and he does a good job of it. You know, before, before we let you go, let's talk about the plus one effect, the, the T-shirt. And I know my producer has it on now. I want to let you promote that. I, I know you got to get going. Yeah. It's so close to first pitch, but it, it, talk about the shirt and what it does. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's, Honestly, it's just been a campaign to have open dialogue about race and, you know, especially after the George Floyd murder, just about educating people on um, how black people have been oppressed in America and um, what are things that, you know, can be microaggressions uh, toward black people as in like, hey, he speaks well or, you know, he talks in a certain manner. And uh, I think it's been good. I think I've been able to educate a lot of people. Um, that are just looking for answers and people who are kind of oblivious to the situation. And uh, yeah, it's been, obviously we've sold over 1200 shirts and, you know, I, I think that it, it has surpassed um, everything that I had ever even thought it would get to. So uh, being able to just have like an open dialogue about race. And uh, I just told people, Hey, some, some people's opinions are going to change and some people's 
you know, they're going to stay the same way. So, um, but at least you tried and at least you said you had a tone in which, yeah, nobody got upset, but uh, I think that's how you're going to get across people is not getting a, a attitude about it, but just saying, Hey, this is how I think, this is how I feel, you know, take it what you take it, what you want. And, you know, if they take it in a positive way and they agree with you and then that person goes and says it to somebody else and that's kind of how you, you know, plus one. And that's kind of how, where, where it, uh, the plus one effect kind of um, transformed from. You know, I, I, let's end on this because obviously your goal is over the years to be a major league baseball player and to get to this level and, and have a long career. But just how special is it to you that during these times that you now have this platform that you can truly reach out and help people who truly need help? Yeah, I think that's the, honestly, I think that's the biggest deal. Um, obviously, baseball is not going to last forever. But, you know, one day when I look back and say, hey, did you do everything you could with the platform that you had at the time? And, you know, I think I'll be able to look at myself in the mirror and say, yeah, I, you know, it's, you know, this stuff can be time consuming. So there's always a fine line in the season of how much you spend on it um, versus how much, uh, you know, once you come to the field, that's kind of what you focus on is baseball activities and how am I going to get better in the pitcher and things like that. So there's always a fine line of what you can do once you have this platform. And, you know, I'm just blessed that, you know, God has put me in a position to do things like this and to help change the world. And I, I truly believe, I truly believe that. Well, I just want everybody to know that normally you don't get players uh, this close to game time. And for you to do this, I mean, this is the A's show. I wish we could see each other face to face. This is where we talk A's business and all the A's come. But unfortunately, during these times where we have to do it this way. But thank you for coming on. Thank you for what you're doing, because, you, you know, it, it's always wonderful when athletes can can outside the lines go out and affect society and affect people and make other people's lives great and you're doing a wonderful thing congratulations you're also off to a great start continued success keep winning ball games with the a's you guys stay safe and we'll talk to you soon hey no i appreciate all the kindest words and thanks for having me and uh hopefully next time we'll get it uh i won't i won't forget we'll get it we'll get it a little bit before uh, BP starts, so it's not as close to game time, but thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And we're going to end with a guy I just love interviewing. You know, what's great about Scott Emerson as a pitching coach, he's so into the mental side of baseball because, let's face it, when these guys all get to the big leagues, they all have good arms. They all can throw hard. They got nasty breaking stuff. That's how they got to the big leagues. What the big change then and how you stay here and how you're successful is based on your mental game. And Scott Emerson is so good at training these players physically and mentally, and he's a great interview. Here's ace pitching coach Scott Emerson. He is one of our favorites. When you talk about guests here on A's Cast Live, nobody better than Scott Emerson, the pitching coach, the great pitching coach for your Oakland Athletics down in Southern California in Anaheim. Emo, how are you? Hope you've been safe. Yeah, everything's going well. We're just uh, you know, looking forward to another game today and uh, just play some good baseball. You know, I think uh, we need to applaud, you know, your guys' staff, the front office, our players on how well we have dealt with COVID-19 and this pandemic. 
Yeah, you know, I think our guys have been uh, uh, doing their due diligence. Uh, Tony, one of our athletic trainers, is kind of, you know, he's, you know, taking a lead in making sure we're all staying safe as well as uh, Nick Paparesta, our head athletic trainer. Uh, but th- they're doing a great job of reminding guys about masks, uh, reminding the guys that what the protocols are, you know, and, and our guys are, are trying to do their best to, uh, to do their due diligence and, and stick to the protocols. You know, you know, sometimes you might find yourself uh, doing something you're, you, you, you wish you didn't do, but uh, you know, you got your mask down for a second and then you realize, Oh, I got to put my mask up if you just finished eating or something. But uh Overall, you know, I think the guys uh, know, you know, where we want to be at the end of the season and, and we want to play the season. You know, it's 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 fun right now. And uh, the only way you can keep it fun is by playing. You know, yeah, you told us when you first showed up, you were doing snow angels in the uh, in the grass with no snow. You were so happy to be back. And I'm sure everybody just the fact that we have a season going and you just had a nine game winning streak. I mean, there seems like there's a really good kind of magical vibe around this team right now. What are you saying? Well, it's just, you know, you know, the the chemistry has always been good with this team the last couple of years. The guys really enjoy playing with one another. Uh, they love going out and playing baseball. They love to work. I mean, that's the one thing that, that I look at our crew and, you know, every day our, our infielders on day games, if, if we don't have hitting, they're out, out there taking their ground balls and, and getting work in. It's not just kind of show and go, show up at noon and play at one. Our guys are actually really good about getting their work done, doing the things that they need to do to prepare for the game. And that's the fun part that I really love seeing is, how prepared and how well these guys want to actually work at their craft, not only to, to play the game, but to get better as baseball players. And, and we got a lot of guys that do that. You know, when I think about all the work that you do before games with all your different pitchers, and now you have more pitchers than ever before, how does it work with the technology, whether you're looking at, uh, I know it's now Hawkeye, not TrackMan, but Rap Soto and everything. And when you're talking to the players, is it six feet, six inches? Just take us how it's different now when guys are doing bullpens and you're watching the throwing programs. Well, I, I think with, with everything, uh, the technology, uh, there's a lot of things that are more uh, quantifying. You, you can quantify. I mean, if you just watch the game uh, on TV and there's no uh, tracking systems, uh, you wouldn't realize where pitches actually are in the strike zone. Uh, you know, I think when we throw more balls down the middle of the plate, you know, people are saying you got to hit the corners. And then in, in reality, you know, 20, 30 years ago, how much of the corners did these guys really hit? You know, I mean, it's not easy. The plate's only 17 inches. The strike zone is maybe three feet high. So it's, it's, it's a really tough job to, to put the ball inside that strike zone. And with all the technology, you, you actually know where the pitches are going, where, how they got there. But, you know, putting the game plan together, it, it, it's, it's great, but it's, it's only as good as what the pitchers can execute. You know, so we get great information. Pike Goldschmidt, one of our analysts, really helps us out. Marcus Jensen, our bullpen coach, and I really helps us out a lot and gives us a lot of good information. And then it's up to Marcus and I to decide, can we apply that? And, um, you know, if there's uh, information that uh, is tough to apply, those are things that we're going to work on and try to get that area of um, of a, of a 
problem, I guess, per se, or that area that we can attack a little bit better. But, uh, you know, the information is only as good as the players can apply it. And uh, you want to keep it simple. It's still about, you know, throwing strikes, changing speed, being unpredictable. That's still pitching. The part of pitching is never going to change. Get out. How are you going to get your outs? The numbers help us decide the spin rates, the spin access, the, the, the vertical break, the horizontal break. That'll all play into it. But we have to have pitchers actually be able to execute these things. So if we see uh, something that's going on, we look at the data. We can compare data to what they've done in the past. And uh, But once again, it, it'll all come back to can this player feel this move? Can he see this move? And then can he apply this move to get himself better or get him off a snowball? Isn't the guy going tonight a great example of that? In modern-day baseball, we expect all of our pitchers to throw 98 miles an hour and blow you away. That's not Mike Fires' game, and Mike Fires, at 35 years old, is still effective, and he's throwing 90 miles an hour. Yeah, you know, that's where that's where the if hitting's timing, pitching is uh, disruption of timing comes into play. And, uh, you know, Mike does some good things well that we need him to keep on doing those things. And, you know, when you can pitch, you can pitch. And this guy's proven he's a good pitcher in this league, and he's got to go out and mix it up, be unpredictable, do, do the things that Mike does, get him to chase here and there. And and uh, when he does that, he's really, really effective. And uh, you know, you still need to throw strikes or you still need to make your ball look like a strike and then the ball. I think, you know, that's what the, the uh, plus velo guys get to be able to do a little bit more than, than the average velo guy. is. He can be in the zone, slightly out of the zone a little bit better because uh, the hitters don't know that ball's moving out of the strike zone to where the softer guys, they you know, ball out of the strike zone might be a ball earlier to the hitter on, on the recognition and he takes it. So, that's where velo gives you a little bit of a margin of error. You know, at the end of the day, you know, you want a hundred, 105 miles an hour guys with, with great command. That's who you really want. Right. Tony? That's who you want. Yeah. Like the, but, the guy that, the guy that, the, the guy that you've created Frankie Montas. Well, you know, Frankie's, you know, just has that ability now to change speeds where, you know, a few years ago, it really wasn't a, uh, where you kind of looked out and you said, Frankie Montas, Oh, what an arm, what an arm. And I think now he's gotten to that point where you could say, uh, Frankie Montas, this guy can pitch. And, and that's what you want to end up doing. You want to take these, uh, these good molded, uh, athletic, uh, strong velocity guys that can spin it, that can do things and turn them into pitchers. Because if they don't become pitchers, they, they, you know, it's highly unlikely they're going to be successful starters for sure. And those are the guys you may have to move to the bullpen that just got, you know, 98 in the tank, and that's all they got. And that's why I think we've always talked about sometimes it's tough for relievers to be sustainable because, you know, that next year they still they got a pitch too. And I think if you look at Liam Hendricks, you know, this guy's turned into a good pitcher. You know, he moves his baseball around. Uh, he's kind of gotten to the point where you really don't know exactly what he's going to be throwing uh, and where he's going to throw it. And I think he's turned himself into a really good pitcher over the last couple of years. You know, with your staff, you're going to have guys throwing the ball well, and then you're going to have guys not throwing the ball well. How do you deal with both? The I mean, how differently is it 
mentality-wise, mechanics-wise, to deal with guys going good versus guys who are not? Well, you know, sometimes, you know, I, I compare it to hitters, you know. More, more times than not, hitters, when they're in a slump, they're just swinging at bad pitches. You know, the, the, the mechanics really haven't changed too much. Uh, and then you equate it to pitching. Okay, what are we doing? What pitches are we making? When are we making these pitches? Uh, are we changing speeds? Are we doing the things and throwing the pitches that we do well frequently? Or, or are we just doing something totally different? And that's the first thing you look at is what are you doing throwing the baseball differently? And then if it's a mechanical issue, you go to those mechanics. But, uh, you know, it, I always think of those hitters, you know, uh, they're taking early batting practice. And they're the guys that are swinging at pitches in the dirt. And you're thinking, this guy's got a great swing. This guy kills the ball in batting practice. And it's the same thing watching pitchers throw their bullpens. You get in that bullpen, and you don't know what the pitcher, how good his stuff is because there's no hitter in there. And you're watching it, and you're, you're evaluating it, and you're, all right, you got your technology, and your technology is kind of the same. And, you know, you know, most pitchers don't throw max effort in the bullpen or, or game speed. So you're just kind of watching flight of ball and they're pounding the strike zone. And then some guys get in the game and they just struggle to find the strike zone. So it's, you know, it's, you know, finding the strike zone, getting your misses to be closer to the plate. So hitters will actually chase those pitches. If you scatter your misses, you know, it's a ball right out of your hand. You're, you're not going to give the hitter an opportunity to swing. And uh, that doesn't help you set up all your other pitches. So, you know, the guys that are struggling, we're, we're, you know, I really look at are we throwing strikes, are we throwing quality strikes, and are we throwing the right pitches in the right situations? Because, you know, generally when you lead a horse to water, that horse is going to drink the water. You know, they say you lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. You know, I, I don't see many horses going to that water and not drinking it. So at the end of the day, you know, it's getting these guys to pound the strike zone, change speeds, and and when they do that in the bullpen, you feel like, okay, now let's take it into the game. And then if things aren't going so well in the game, then you start analyzing what we're using, when we're using it. And then if we got to go deeper into is his slot changing, is his mechanics changing, then we then we, uh, we compare that to, you know, obviously days that he's had great success. Shamanaya obviously is struggling out of the gate, and especially what happened last night, what we've seen Mostly what's happened is he gets through the first three and then struggles in the fourth inning. But last night it was a struggle right out of the gate. What do you think is, is I'm not going to say what's wrong. What, what do you think needs to be fixed with your left-handed? Well, I just think right now, he's, you know, he's center cutting too many pitches when he has to, uh, you know, last year uh, he's got that ability to elevate, uh, and command his pitches, you know, and, and he's, you know, for lack of a better term, he's kind of been a little unlucky. You know, you start off the game with a blooper down the right field line, a couple soft hits, and then the, then a knockout homer uh, on a decent pitch. Uh, so I just think, you know, the game against Seattle, uh, Seager got the, the – uh, Seager hit a really good pitch up and in on his hands and, and, and got it by Ole down the line. That was kind of – you know, a, a good quality executed pitch that just the hitter won the battle there. Earlier in that at bat or that game, uh, Lewis hit a mistake breaking ball that he left up. So, 
you know, it just comes time where, uh, you know, big league hitters are going to hit your mistakes and we got to minimize those mistakes. And if we make them early in the game and the game's close, then, you know, like last night, the skipper decided we're, we we're going to go to the bullpen to keep the game close. We just can't let it get out of hand. I believe we were winning, you know, when he left the game. Yeah, and you just, you know, with with all the other guys rolling right now, right? I mean, you're getting five or more from all these guys, and the winning streak's great, and now you're even getting seven from these guys. You hate to be the one pitcher in the rotation that's not a part of that group. Well, I think I think that, uh, you, know, you know, Sean's been proven. You know, he's he's been a proven major league pitcher for the last few years. So uh, he's just got to go out there and keep battling himself and stay mentally strong about it, you know. Uh, and we're winning games right now uh, without him having his best stuff. So hopefully he can turn the corner. Uh, and, and I, you know, the, the competitor that he is, the battler that he is, I got no doubt that he's going to turn that corner. He's just got to, you know, stay mentally strong and keep getting his work in and, and keep pounding the strike zone and. And we'll do some things in the bullpen, and uh, he'll go out. And, and I know he's going to compete every time he gets the baseball, and that's what I love about Sean Maniah. And, and talk about Trevino, who also at times seems unlucky, also at times has given up some, some loud some loud hits. But his stuff is so fantastic. It's like, how does this guy ever get hit at all with the stuff he kind of has? Yeah, you just uh, with Lou, you just you know you feel for him last night a little bit. Uh, you know he's trying to dig himself a little bit out of you know probably a hole that he's thinking about. But yeah, his last couple outings, his, his stuff has been really really good. And basically, he made uh, you know one one pitch where Otani jumped him early in the count, first pitch for the homer, and and uh, just you know. Uh, too much middle of the plate uh, for a tiny swing and, and a tiny jumped on him. But, uh, you know, if you're looking out at Lou right now and the way he's throwing the ball, it, you know, he's got to be in a conversation about getting one guy out, you know, in a, in a tough situation because his stuff is that electric. Uh, but we need Lou to, to, to go out there and actually get those outs and finish off those innings and, and do those things. And But it's encouraging that uh, – you know, his stuff looks uh, much better than it has been, uh, you know, maybe last year. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm confident in it, the way his stuff is right now. You know, the two guys we haven't talked about, Jesus Cesardo, absolutely electric. And then what Chris Bassett has become for your pitching staff. I mean, talk about these two guys. Very, very special to you. Well, uh, Tony, we, we, we've spent, uh, we spent a lot of time in our talking on this uh cast about Chris Bassett you know uh, he's just been that one guy that uh, has been pretty consistent uh, since he's really been here uh, if you look at his numbers overall they've, they've been pretty decent but last year he, he turned himself into a good winning pitcher a guy that can uh, you know keep the team in the game longer and I think he had 11 wins last year and he's off to a good start pitching this year and uh you know, he's just very valuable in the roles that he has been able to, to, to pitch for us. And, you know, he's one of those guys that he values the role that he's pitching in, and, but he's pretty much telling us, I want to be a starter, and I, I don't want you to think of me as anything else but a starter. That's kind of the mentality that I love of Chris Bassett. Hey, I'll accept 
the the uh, position you give me on this staff, the role that I have on this team. But I want to be a starter, and I think he's going out and proving, hey, I'm a starter, man. I, I want to be a starter. And as far as Jesus Lazardo, I mean, his stuff is 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 electric. I mean, it's it's really nice. But I, you know, I've talked about the uh, baseball intelligence that this guy has and the ability to to game plan. And you know, game planning is one of my favorite things. It just in our meetings, listening to him talk about what he wants to do. It's one thing for me to game plan, and it's another thing when our pitchers can actually game plan because they're taking the test. They're the ones out there pitching. I'm not. You know, I'm just trying to create a helpful plan with with our analytics through, you know, Pike Goldschmidt, which I mentioned before, and Marcus Jensen, our bullpen coach. We try to just formulate what his actions do and uh, what we think, you know, he should do. But when these guys come in and they're able to talk about, hey, this is what I want to do to this guy. This is what I got. This is what I see. The info tells me this. Thank you. I, I, I just really love that. And, you know, he's done a great job, but our catchers are doing a great job of understanding the information. Yeah, we, we made, I thought we made some mistakes last night that let, let uh, the Angels back in the game. We'll talk about it. And uh, we'll go from there. You know, that's we, we just can't let some of that happen. You know, five-run lead, I believe. And we just did some things to, to let them, you know, back in the game. And you, you can't do some of those things that we did uh, and expect big league hitters not to take advantage and capitalize off that. Mike Trout has a very unique swing for a right-handed hitter. It's more like a left-handed swing where he's got a little bit of an uppercut. It's very short. And he likes the ball down, and he likes the ball down and in, just like left-handers do. It's kind of odd. I don't know if you can tell me, but what is the scouting report on Mike Trout? Well, uh, hopefully he doesn't show up to the game. That's uh, <laughs> you know, hopefully he decides to quit. I mean, that this guy, this guy's you know unbelievable. He he really is. He he's just you know you throw him one way one game and and. You might get a few outs. You throw them one way, another game. You might hit a few homers. Uh, but, I mean, you pretty much nailed it on the head with your scouting report right there. I mean, it's no secret. Uh, but it's the mistakes, you know. He, he capitalizes on mistakes. We hung a breaking ball last night, and he, he swung. And, you know, uh, curveballs that are inside the strike zone that get swung at come in with topspin, go back out with backspin, you know, that's, that's, it's a tough pitch to throw inside the strike zone. Now, of course, we probably weren't trying to throw it inside the strike zone, but you got to understand, okay, if I miss here, that's why pitchers need to know, you know, who they are, who can bounce breaking balls, who can bounce, uh, who can elevate fastballs. And that's where the analytics is really, really good for us because, you know, any mistake we make as pitchers, and this is throughout the whole league, Major league hitters capitalize on it. If you just kind of look at uh, a major league hitters scouting reports, or, or you know, they beat you when you miss your 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 areas of the plate. And 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 that's not saying we're not trying to go there. Well, why did why did Petit throw the hanging curveball last night to Trout? He wasn't trying to throw him a hanging curveball. He's trying to bounce it and get him to chase because some of that is in the reports that Trout will chase some breaking balls below the zone, and he just missed his spot. That's part of the game. Uh, and, you know, more times than that, though, you want to be able to guard your miss. 
you've got to make sure you're bouncing that stuff and, and you make sure you elevate in certain situations. Make sure you get the ball in in certain situations. Make sure you, you know, change a speed. And, and that's what makes, you know, Major League Baseball exciting. And, and these hitters are the best hitters in the world because if you make a mistake in their happy zone, they'll punish you. Emo, you're the best. We always appreciate the time. Keep this thing rolling. Your starting staff, your bullpen are fantastic. They're carrying the team. You're in first place. Uh, best winning percentage in the American League. And uh, only f- how about how crazy is this? Only 43 games left. Jeez, well, you know, these protocols make it feel like, man, 43 games is a long way away. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 I mean, it's, these masks, which is great, you know, and I appreciate all the protocols and we're all sticking to it. It's just, you know, sometimes you just cannot wait to get back to your hotel room and, and get this mask off your face. And, you know, I appreciate, you know, Major League Baseball and everybody who's, who's keeping us uh, safe and who's keeping us healthy. And, and it's really, it's really awesome that they, they care this much, but it, it's, uh, it's, it's a, it's a beat down. It's tough on everybody. And, uh, but, you know, I, I appreciate them. Well, be safe, be well, and keep winning. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. This was a very fun edition of A's Unfiltered. We want to thank Liam Hendricks, Mark Canna, Tony Kemp, and Scott Emerson for joining us. Now back to A's Cast, powered by iHeartRadio. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. 